Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Food BizWiz podcast. I'm Charlie, VP of Student Success here at Food BizWiz, and we are back with another episode in our series called Is It Worth It, Charlie?, where I sit down and talk to students inside our retail ready community about pivotal decisions they are about to make in their business. Now, if this is your first time joining us, welcome. As I said, my name's Charlie. Uh, in addition to running my own CPG business, Element Shrub, I also support and coach our retail ready students inside of our retail ready course and community. And in today's episode, I will be sitting down with fellow retail ready student, Kirk Hutchinson, pastry chef and founder of Power of the Almond, a line of gluten-free, keto-friendly baked goods based in Starkville, Mississippi, to talk about pricing structure as he considers growing his business through distribution. So if this is something you can relate to, I'm excited for you to listen in. I'm Allie Ball, former grocery buyer and retail store manager turned wholesale consultant. In my role on the retail floor, I saw delicious, values-driven brands fail on our shelves simply because they didn't understand the behind the scenes of wholesale. I created the Food Biz Whiz podcast to give you hard-to-access insight from my career in the food industry and the tools and strategies to help you succeed on retail shelves. If you're a committed food founder who's looking to create and grow a packaged products business that positively impacts our food system, puts wealth back into your own hands, and employs members of your local community, you have found the right podcast. Let's do this. Before we get into this episode, I want to invite you to increase your revenue with us in the next 30 days with our September sales sprint. We've all heard the messaging right now, control your costs and secure your supply chain. But what about that other side of running your business? That is ensuring that cash is still coming in. That is exactly what we're focusing on inside of Retail Ready in September with our sales sprint. Join us inside of Retail Ready and you'll get access to four weeks of bonus calls and our additional support outlining a doable, realistic plan to help you keep that cash coming in. Ready to join us just in time for our September sales sprint? If you already know all about Retail Ready and you are ready to leap in, find our enrollment page and FAQs linked directly in the show notes. If you want more information about everything that's included inside of Retail Ready, watch our intro masterclass on growing your packaged food business, and you'll be invited to take the next step with us inside of Retail Ready. Find both in the show notes, as well as our full course outline, and then we'll see you at our September sales sprint. Kirk, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you on the show today. Um, do you want to kick things off and just sort of introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah. Hey, Charlie, I'm Kirk. I am the founder of Power of the Almond. I started this business two years ago. Um, it was intended to be a keto, diabetic, and celiac company. COVID hit, lost my job, so had to take another route. And so here we are, two years later, CPG founder in Mississippi. Amazing. Amazing. Um, awesome. And you just joined us Fairly recently inside Retail Ready, I want to say three, it's almost, actually, it's coming up on your three-month anniversary, I believe. Um, how has it been going since you uh, since you joined? Um, so I've learned a ton since joining Retail Ready. Um, I was kind of 
on the edge about whether I should go the wholesale route with my business or stick it out and stick to brick and mortar sales or do completely online. Retail Ready has really helped me kind of hone in on exactly what I want to do with my business. And it has been an amazing like manuscript for me to use, kind of copy and paste. And um, a Retail Ready team has really got me a lot in the past three months. So I'm super excited and I'm very appreciative of it. That that is that is great great to hear. Um, awesome. And so we're we're on the podcast today, uh, talking about pricing structure. Um, and I I think for you in particular, you had mentioned you're sort of trying to figure out if you should be tweaking your pricing structure as you sort of consider growing through distribution. It sounds like um, you've you've made some progress over the last three months. You're you're growing the the number of stores you in you're in and distributors are now saying hey kirk like let's uh let's move your product around the country and um and and that's why we're here so uh let me ask was maybe you can give us a little background i made maybe made some assumptions but uh some background on on how you got to this point to even think about um you know why you should be considering your pricing structure right now um and was was this even a topic that was on your mind before you before you joined retail right yeah so um it's kind of crazy because literally just 2 years ago i was baking out of my home kitchen and i was considered cottage food which a lot of us startup yep. cpg start off as sure. and you don't even think that you're going to grow this fast and i didn't even know what a distributor was i didn't know what a burger was like none of these terms and here we are approaching our 2 year anniversary and it's gotten so big it's like Okay, whew, like I can't keep self-delivering all this stuff. And so if we want to look at the long-term goals, we've kind of got to like think about distributor relationships. Um, Retail Ready really helped me to think about those things that I, I didn't before. And so we're trying to decide whether or not this pricing structure is going to allow us to be able to use a distributor without overpricing our products. Oh, yeah. That that makes a lot of sense. So, um, in terms of where your pricing structure is now, all right. So you obviously um, you you currently work with any distributors right now? Um, no, not currently. Um, okay. I've talked with one, sure. and he was on board for it, and he was like, "Okay, we're going to place the thirteen thousand dollar order next week." And I was like, "Whoa, what?" <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's like. That's something to think about when you do approach these distributors. They're going to want you to have the capability, first of all. And so, yeah, um, that's another thing that we're considering. Is like, can we even? Is it is it time for us to take on a distributor? Sure, sure. Can we handle that? Um, and so you you, I'm just thinking about like your your current pricing structure right now is, um, you've got like a, a retail price that. You're you're selling your your product for. You've got your wholesale price that I that I'm guessing you sell to your your retailers directly. Um, are there any are there any other prices right now that I don't know that are that are part of your pricing structure that I have that I haven't sort of thought about? Um, no, it's pretty much um, that. That's it. Our MSRP is what we want the grocery stores to sell it for. Um, we've got our wholesale pricing done. Uh, and then it just trickles down to, you know, what our cost of goods sold are. So those are the only three major numbers that I'm playing with right now. 
We haven't considered a broker. We've been approached by one, but I found as a startup CPG, it's really, in my opinion, best to get out there and go and try and build this business yourself at first before even trying to pay somebody else to do it because you're the face of the brand and nobody can sell it like you can. So that's that's what I've done. So just distributor pricing, wholesale pricing, and MSRP. Yeah, that's what. We're, but we have haven't you, figured out distributor pricing yet. Okay, so that's what we're trying I was going to say. Okay, yeah. cool, great. Um, right, and I, and I would say you know, just for for all of our listeners out there, um, before you even consider distributors or even wholesale, I, I think one of the the most important things, I would say the most important thing is to really like, when it comes to your price structure, understanding, you know, your cost of goods sold, right? Um, and, and at the end of the day, when it comes to your retail price, while we sort of can control the price that we can, we can control the price that we sell to the wholesale uh, account to, uh, which sort of in turn, sort of controls what the the price on the shelf is going to be. But at the end of the day, like you might, every, every retailer is going to have their own margin that they need to, to be a profitable business. And, you know, if you say, Hey, I want you, you have to sell these, you know, pound cakes for nine 99. And they're like, yeah, sorry, that's not going to work for me. Like, you're going to have to like let them do <laughs> do what they need to do to to run their business the same way you know you need to price it at this point so that you can run your business and, and still be profitable right um, yeah so when we're thinking about cost of goods sold right um where where do you stand right now with your sort of i guess comfort level of hey is this the cheapest i can make my product is uh am, am i are you confident that you've included everything that you need to include um, to sort of like cover everything that needs to happen to get your product from, let's say, dry ingredients to a product that people can can buy on the shelf? Yeah, so I'm not super confident in the cost of goods sold because there's so many variables that can yeah. go into that. Sure. And um, for our listeners today, what I'm using is ReciPal. It's, it's a really good reference that I like to go back to. And on there, it it gives you the option of including your packaging cost, your batch labor cost, and also your overhead cost. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of confused on to whether or not should I be putting these into ReciPal to get that final cost of goods sold or should I just kind of leave that off and let's just go with a base ingredient price that way we always know this package literally costs say three dollars to make an ingredient or should I be considering hey no really this cost me four dollars and sixty cents you know as an example so the confident level is not there so I'm glad we're yeah. talking about okay today. well let's well let's talk through it so um so absolutely right you're gonna I mean, it makes sense to include the the ingredient costs, right? So um, right. obviously, ingredients are one component of your cost of goods sold, and um, those should definitely be included. When it comes to labor, right? There's, uh, you know, labor can be a number of different things, but it could be the labor of, like, let's say in your case, and I'm going to use a pound cake as an example, right? Just um, there's the cost of actually like prepping the ingredients, cooking the cake, like 
pulling it out of the oven, like all of the steps that happen sort of like in the kitchen, right? There's there's that labor cost. And, and then there's a the labor cost of like, I, I mean, putting the cake into the container that, um, you know, that it's sold in, putting a label on it, wrapping it, doing it, whatever. And, um, and getting it to a point where you can sell it in some channel, right? Whether that's uh, selling it online, whether people are like picking it up, whether it's selling it to a retailer or whether it's kind of packing it up and getting it ready for a distributor, right? Um, and so you're, you're thinking about the labor cost of your kitchen time, right? Absolutely, that should be included. Um, you know, the other thing when it comes to ingredients that I think some people forget about is um, what I sometimes refer to as sort of the three S's. So you've got sort of like spoilage, right? Uh, when it comes to ingredients. And let's say you make, you, you have this sort of recipe to make 10 pound cakes, right? But at the end of the day, you only have enough batter to make nine and a half right obviously you can't sell like half a cake to somebody right. <laughs> so when you're thinking about your your ingredient cost right are you thinking about like that that the fluctuation i guess in in terms of like recipe yield right um and are you are you for example, if you used a hundred pounds of flour to make uh, almond flour, in your case, obviously, um, to make uh, whatever it is you're making, right? Are you actually getting a hundred pounds of yield out of that flour, or are you really getting like ninety-nine pounds? And like, I don't know, is your kitchen staff like super good about making sure when they pour that flour out of the bag that nothing gets on the floor? Right. And like, right. When it comes to other ingredients, right. Same thing. Like, are you really getting that like 100% yield out of all, all of your ingredients? And if not, you just need to be honest with yourself about, you know, same with like, same with packaging materials, right? Like I can tell you a hundred percent that like labels are not a hundred percent yield. Like you're always going to like mess up a label here and there. <laughs> And like peel it off, it's gonna get stuck together, right? Like you never get a hundred percent yield on labels, right? And so just thinking about that and not assuming that you know you're always gonna get a hundred percent yield on everything, I think is um it's just something that I think people don't always think about right at the beginning. Yeah, um, I agree with you completely. I actually just recently noticed that there's um, on Recipal. I love Recipal, so I'm just probably just going <laughs> to be like a, a paid advertiser for them because I love that program. But I just found out that there's actually a, a waste percentage thing awesome. on Recipal, which Great. is amazing. And so we actually do a 6% waste um, because I've realized that every time we make pound cakes, there's always, and we. it seems like we always weigh our ingredients out and there's always either one pound cake's got too much or one pound cake doesn't have enough. 
And yep. so it happens and that fluctuates. And so I did some kind of formula that I came up with. The 6% waste is what we went with. So, yep, we did take that into account. So great, good point. Great. Yeah. And then the other thing too, you know, as, as you move from sort of your own packaging to, you know, maybe at some point you have a co-packer or something like that, um, you know, also thinking about like that. And, and it's, and it kind of comes into waste and spoilage and all of that. Right. But like, for, for me, for example, in the beverage world, we use like a bottling line, right? And there is liquid that gets caught in the bottling line that we can't use, right? And it might be a gallon, it might be seven gallons, whatever it is, right? And that is liquid that I sort of paid for, but I can't actually sell, right? So thinking yeah. of the other machine, right? Or if you're using a big, um, you know, piece, I, I don't know the names of all of these pieces of equipment, but, you know, maybe there's a bunch of dough that is caught on the giant Cuisinart that you're using or whatever it is, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, right? So thinking about all of those things, right? Um, but getting, getting back to sort of your cost of goods sold, right? So you want to think about those. You, your packaging costs are usually very, very easy to calculate, right? You have one cake, you have one, you know, clamshell that you're putting them in. You've got one label. That's that's usually very easy to um, calculate. Um, when it comes to overhead, I think you had mentioned overhead, right? Um, yeah, that's one of the through options. what overhead means because overhead can mean a lot of things, right? Um, so for my cost of goods sold, I am basically um what am i doing i guess i'm i'm taking my rent that's a fixed amount every month so we actually own our own commercial kitchen so we're not um sharing a space so for us our cost of goods sold overhead costs can actually fluctuate so much that it's kind of hard to get a specific number to input while calculating you know those margins cost of goods sold but what I've done is I've just taken, you know, our rent, say it's a thousand dollars per month, and I've divided mm-hmm. it by four, gives us two fifty a week. And this is an example using maximum efficiency in the bakery. And say we're using the bakery seven days a week for eight hours a day. So that gives us six dollars and sixty-seven cents an hour. Um, and so that's what I used for that overhead cost. And so say um a pound cake batch takes an hour and a half, which it does in our case, to make X amount of pound cakes. So I did 1.5 times that $6.67 an hour rate. And that's what I put in for our overhead cost. Mm. Um, but I'm just not sure that I should really be calculating that into our cost of goods sold when it comes to defining what our specific profit margin is yeah. and what we want it to be for our company. Um, yeah, that's, it's a tough question. Yeah. So wait, tell me, so is this a, you guys have a brick and mortar space and this kitchen is in the back of it? Is that how it works or? Correct. So I have a brick and mortar bakery. And then in the back of the bakery, we have a big commercial kitchen, um, that we use to produce for wholesale. And so, and, and let me ask you this, you know, does the front of house bakery, what do they consider their rent? So <laughs> I actually didn't think about that. 
because what I've done is basically I've used my sales from my brick and mortar to pay for that overhead cost. So I guess I kind of just answered my own question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I I was thinking about it because, but I I think in general, right, you're not the only one who sort of has this problem thinking about, hey, I've got some sort of commercial kitchen that I'm paying rent for, you know, do I, do I include that in my, in my cost of goods sold, right? Um, And And it comes to wholesale. Because, uh, you know, it depends. There's usually one of two options, right? Which is you're either paying a fixed amount every month. Uh, regardless of how much time you're spending in the kitchen or you're buying, I'll say buying in quotes, blocks of time, whether it's four hours or eight hours or, you know, three days a week, whatever it is. And, and that's sort of your, your allocated time in the kitchen. Um, I, in the case of a fixed amount, and I, and I'll say that, you know, if you're an accountant out there and you want to push back on me, feel free. Um, and I guess I think people do this different ways, but I I have heard that if you've got a fixed amount, it's it's almost treated like office space and you can sort of put that cost below the line. Now, obviously, from a profitability perspective, it's still a cost, right? And you still have to sell, you know, X amount of units in order to cover that cost. Um, but it's not necessarily specifically included in your unit cost of goods sold, right? Um, but you know that let's say, you know, let's say you make $10 in profit on each pound cake, right? And your rent is, you know, a thousand dollars a month, right? You you still need to know that you have to sell a hundred units to break even on your kitchen rent, right? Um, right. but but whether that's included in your unit cost or whether that's just another expense below the line, just like your shipping expenses or your cell phone bill or your office supplies or, you know, your taxes, all of that. Right. So, um, and, and I think in your case, it's, it's also a unique example, right. Of where you sort of have two businesses operating in the same space. And so, which one is sort of responsible for sort of paying the rent? Uh, yeah, that's a good way to look at it. I've never and, thought um, that. <laughs> but if I, and I guess going back to that, the point of you've got this sort of fixed cost situation, right? Where the thousand dollars a month, but then you also have the in in the case of renting by the hour or paying by the hour, that's a situation that's very specific to the the unit cost because if you weren't making your product you wouldn't need that space you wouldn't need to purchase that four hour block right um, yeah. but because it's specifically related to your production then in that case I would include the hourly rate right um now, in your case, right, I think it's it's a little unique. And you know, I think you can sort of play around with the, the accounting of it because you've got two different business operating in the same space. And, you know, maybe one is paying the other, but that's probably a more complicated accounting question that I may may or may, may not be able to answer. Um, yeah, I guess for me, it would be best to just 
consider my brick and mortar storefront sales to pay for the overhead calls. Right. And the wholesale part of it, you just got free rent, basically. I mean, you you have free rent. You don't have free labor, right? Because you still have right. like the labor of of making your products for sure. And um, you know, and so so then you you have your sort of base unit cost of goods sold. And then on top of that, you're also gonna have to think about, you know, what's the sort of like additional marginal cost of goods sold to sell into each channel, right? And sometimes people forget about this, right? Or they or they assume that, oh, it's free or whatever, right? But you're going to have a different sort of, let's say you sell your products online, right? You're going to have the cost of packaging up those products and uh, throwing in a recipe card and taping up the box and dropping it off at the UPS store or whatever it is, right? Um, you're going to have that cost for e-commerce, right? If you're selling to a wholesale account, you're going to have the cost of packaging up all of those units into a box that you're then going to deliver to the, the wholesale account. You're also going to have to account for either the cost of shipping it to them or the cost of delivering it, right? Right. Um, and... And then in a distributor situation, right, it, it might just be a packing up a ton of those wholesale boxes onto a pallet, wrapping the pallet, prepping it for the distributor to come and pick it up, right? And so each, so those are sort of, they're, they're each costs that are in addition to your sort of base unit that you should think about as it relates to the channels that you're selling into, right? Or maybe even like for you, you might even have a food service account, right? Where, I, I mean, you sell uh, you sell sort of like whole goods as opposed to just baking mixes, right? But let's say, for example, you decided to sell a baking mix. Maybe instead of selling it in like a one pound bag, you sold it in like a 50 pound bag. And, you know, there's a different cost associated with like your food service accounts and with delivery and, and all of that. So. Yeah. Yeah. You make a really good point about that, Charlie, how uh, each specific channel can have different overhead costs. So maybe it would be in my, in my best intentions um, to create different costs of goods sold for each channel that I'm selling in. Yeah. That way oh, it would be a more accurate response of what my profit is. You know, at the end of the day. So yeah, good point. <laughs> that, that's that's why I'm that's why I'm here. Uh, <laughs> uh, awesome. So let's go back. So then as we think about your pricing structure in general, right? Um, initially you weren't super confident in kind of what to include, what not to include. Um, is there anything else that would make you feel more confident about um, making sure you're confident okay this is my cost of goods sold for sure right no i think i that that answers that question cool um so then there's there's understanding your cost of goods sold at this moment in time right based on this amount of product that you're making right but then there's also you know trying to predict what the future is going to look like right and obviously i imagine the hope is that you're going to sell more product in the future 
right? That's the goal is to be able to scale to actually make it successful. Yes, yes, <laughs> right. So, um, so when we think about that, I think one mistake that I see a lot of brands make is making the assumption that their cost of goods sold is going to go way down as their volume goes up, right? And yes, like in most cases, your cost of goods sold will go down a little bit, but there's also other other costs that you need to consider and cash flow that you need to consider as your as your volume goes up, right? Uh, so, do you have you done an exercise of okay? You know, right now I'm making, I'll just say, 50 cases of pound cake um, a month. What 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 does your cost of goods sold look like at 500 cases a month or 5,000 cases a month? Have you done that those exercises? Um, no, I haven't. I've I've really just went off of what I produce now and used those numbers to to figure out what my cost of goods sold are and what I'm making. Great. I mean, and that's and that's fine. I mean, I think going off of the sort of reality of like what the situation is now, right? Versus um making the assumption that like, oh, well, I know, like I assume that when we get to thousand unit, a thousand cases a week, like my cost of goods sold is going to be 50% of what it is. So I'm going to set my price structure such that like you know, instead of $3 a unit, like really like my cost of goods sold is going to be $1.50, like way down, way down the line. So uh, I know I can get there. Right. But so, so I think, I think it's one, it's smart to, to, to base your pricing right now off of, off of sort of reality. Right. Uh, but I do think it's important to think about what that future, um, future cost of goods sold could look like. Right. And that can be as simple as you know, calling up your almond flour vendor and being like, hey, right now I'm buying 50 pounds from you. What what's it going to cost to buy 5,000 pounds from you? Yep. See what they see what they tell you, right? Um same thing with your your clamshells, same thing with your labels, right? You can you can very easily kind of go through every single component and figure out. Okay, well, right now I'm buying this much. What's it going to cost to buy this much? Yeah. At least you have an idea of what that true, like future cost of goods sold could, could be, be, as opposed to just making the assumption that it's going to go down by 30% or whatever. Um, and maybe you find out it only goes down by 10%, right? Yeah. Um, you know, or sometimes people, forget to include labor at the beginning and then they bring on a co-packer and there's a tolling fee and other fees that they weren't expecting at the beginning. And now all of a sudden their cost of goods sold is up, right? Um, when they weren't sort of expecting that. Yeah. Those where they, where they hadn't accounted for it at the beginning. That we're learning about as a startup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> reading into slotting fees and stuff and all those that I didn't even know was a thing. So yeah, retail ready actually has taught me that as well. So thank you. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So I think let let's move on from cost of goods sold, right? I think there's there's always opportunities to figure out how you can decrease your cost of goods sold in the future, but understanding what the reality of it looks like 
now is, is really important as you go into thinking about what your distributor price is going to be, what your wholesale price is going to be, and, and, and then how that translates to, you know, what the retail price is on the shelf, right? Right. Um, so let's, let's talk about your, your wholesale price. How did you come up with, how did you come up with your wholesale price? So I have, um, I've been searching online about what a good profit margin is for CPGs, and it says anywhere from 35 to 55%. Um, so I've done a bunch of calculations here um, with what it would be like if I kept my MSRP at its current price versus what it would be like if we went the distributor route, there's going to be an inevitable price increase or either my margin is going to go down. So for mine, I included, um, let's see, I ended up doing a 50% margin for myself. Uh, the distributor wanted 27% and a retailer is 25. Um, Retailer's only taking 25? Uh, yeah, that's what I've negotiated with everyone to. <laughs> Oh, okay. Some of them are like 40 or 50, but luckily I've got a product that there's no competition whatsoever in the state of Mississippi. So I've been able to like convince them. I mean, um, great. Uh, I, I think that's, that's great. And it's something that, um, you know, early on, it, it's good for you to be there on the ground and, you know, be able to support the brand. Uh, I just want you to think about too, as you, as you go national, right. And you have to sell this product in, Seattle, Washington, or Maine, right? And like, how are you going to be there to, you know, have those conversations with, you know, those people? And is your pricing going to make sense for them at a twenty-five percent margin? Uh, and and how do you how do you account for that in the future, right? Yeah, I know a lot of what I've read is saying that most retailers are going to want to. A fifty percent margin, especially for baked goods, because of spoilage. Mm, sure. Um, and that's another issue that arises for me is that if these retailers do want a fifty percent margin, I don't know that it's even plausible for me to go that route. Um, because we're talking about a a, a thirty dollar pound cake here, <laughs> <laughs> and so are people going to pay that? And so, sure. what can the market handle? What can the market bear? Um, our, our current pricing is at $17 per pound cake. And, you know, we get a few people every now and then complain about the price, but I think that's a fair price. Um, the last re retailer that I did approach, you know, they did want that 40 to 50% margin. It was going to take the pound cake up to like $25. And this is without using a distributor. The $30 pound cake was using a distributor. Yeah. So um, that's why I'm kind of curious too as to whether or not or what my end goal is, like, what's the big picture? Who are we trying to get into? And is it plausible with this pricing structure? So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay. So let's, let's talk through that. So, yeah, I, I agree with you that most, you know, most retailers are probably going to want 35% the minimum, right? And as you said, for baked goods and things that have a shorter shelf life, sometimes it's, sometimes it's it's more to make up for that. 
you know, yeah. right? Um, so I would I would think about it from from that perspective. I'll, I'll just go back though and say, you know, it's great to do research on you know what a good margin is for for you, but or for for CPG companies in general. But I think at the end of the day, like I want you and and listeners also to sort of remember that every business is going to be different and every every founder and every company and every brand is going to have their own goals that are uh, for for them and for the brand that are the the goals are going to be decided based on I don't know what the founder wants it's a solar founder right they're they're going to be based on what the investors want if the company has, you know, investors, right? And I think at the end of the day, um, just remembering that one percentage is is okay to think about, but um, someone was told me you, you can't put like percentages in your pocket, you can only put dollars in your pocket. And so remembering that like ha- having a 50% margin is great, but, you know, my 50% margin and your 50% margin could be like, Mine might be 50 cents, yours might be $5, right? Or vice versa. And at the end of the day, like in order for you to meet your profitability goals for your revenue goals, um, always just remember, you know, what that dollar margin is because that's going to, um, some, sometimes people get caught up in like, oh, like my margin's 88%. But if 88% is only 20 cents or <laughs> whatever it is, you also need to make sure you know how many units you need to sell in order to be profitable or, or in order to meet your goals. And, um, and so I'll just kind of like remind you of that as well, but, um, yeah. you know, thinking about- you know, I've thought about that as well. Like our, we've got an expensive product. So like our percentage margin sometimes isn't that high. But I'll sometimes look at my stuff and I'll be like, oh, we made seven bucks off of that pound cake. I'm yeah. like, well, I mean, that seems pretty fair to me, even if the margin is, what, 20% or whatever. Um, I don't know. And I guess I should ask your opinion on this. It's just like I hear all these people on CPG blogs and stuff stressing about how you don't need to go below 35% margin or your business is going to fail. What's your opinion on that? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I think I think my opinion on it is like I guess you just explained well, it. Like, but... Kirk, what's what's your goal for this business? Is it like yeah. you know to be able to make X salary a year? In which case, well, let's just figure out how many dollars you need to make per pound cake and multiply that by you know <laughs> the number of pound cakes it takes to get to that dollar amount and subtract your overhead from that and get your profit right and figure out how you're going to spend that profit, whether it's on you or other employees and things like that. Right. Or, you know, is your, is your goal to, you know, I don't know, be in every convenience store in the country and in Walmart and Target and Publix and all of Whole Foods and everywhere. Right. And in which case one, um, you know, you're, it's a whole different sort of story and path for that versus like, Hey, I'm doing this business for myself. I'm going to have a couple employees. We're going to grow. Um, we're going to do it sustainably. Um, or there's the like 
you know, hockey stick growth, like we're going to take over the world. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and both paths, you know, you need to like grow certainly along the way one, you might grow faster, but you also potentially have more funding and investment to, to make that, make that growth happen. Um, but again, I think like making the assumption that like this company has a 35% margin and you have a 30% margin, which means like you're quote unquote, like not doing as well as them. I think that's a one, it's probably not an accurate assumption because you have no idea like what that brand is going through. You don't know how much cash they're burning. You don't know, like, you know, there's so many reasons why a business can fail, <laughs> right? And and why it's, why it can succeed. And I think uh, it's just really important to look inward um, to say, hey, like, this is what I need to run my business successful. Yeah. And, and thinking about going, just going back to your goals, right? What are your goals for yourself? What are your goals for your business? And what dollar amount per unit? And then how many units do you need to sell to really like achieve those goals? Yeah. Well, it's nice hearing it like that because I cannot tell you how much I stress over oh. these stupid percentage numbers. <laughs> I mean, I will sit here and go crazy. Just bragging well, and, my brain. Oh my and, God, I'm gonna fail. <laughs> and then well, so it's it's and I think one, it's always good to be sort of like scared and excited at the same time, right? When it comes it's like an anxiety roller coaster. I yes. <laughs> Literally what it is. Yeah. I I think um one of the best pieces of, of advice that I've gotten was, and I can't remember who told me. So if you if one of you out there told me, please let me know. Um, is that, you know, nothing is ever as good as it seems and nothing is ever as bad as it seems, right? Yeah. And, you know, to, to sort of manage the uh, the roller coaster, the emotional roller coaster that is, you know, CPG, I always just sort of remember that and say, okay, like, we got on the shelf. Yay, let's celebrate. Okay, now we have to get off the shelf, right? Or, hey, a distributor contacted us. Amazing. Okay, but it's just the beginning of a conversation, like calm down, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so thinking about all of those, um, you, know, there's, you, you know, you know, there's so much that comes up in this, in this world that, um, you know, that, that keeps me on sort of an even keel. Yeah. As I, as I go through it. So, um, okay, so let's get back to pricing here. Uh, we've talked about, wholesale price, you've, you've given yourself a 50% margin, which may or may not be too much depending on, right. I mean, we're, we're trying to balance here what the, what the retailer is going to get and be happy with and what the consumer is going to be happy with, what price they can bear, you know, what price they're willing to pay. Um, and, and then also, you know, how much, how much is the price going to go up or how much is your profit going to go down uh, when you bring on a distributor, right? Right. And so I'll, I'll just throw out a couple other things you should think about. When it comes to distribution, it's not just the, uh, the margin that they take, right? Uh, and any margin that they take is going to be added on to whatever price 
you sell to them for, right? So from that perspective, you're not really losing money. Uh, I mean, your, your, your price is going to be obviously less than your wholesale price that you're selling now, but it's uh, the, the deductions from your distributor price are, um, are other things that uh, they're going to come, right. They're going to be deducted from your, let's say you sell to them for $5 and they sell to your retailer for seven fifty or whatever. It is. I'm, I'm making up these numbers, but um, yeah, at the end of the day, uh, there are going to be some additional costs. There's going to be promotions. There's going to be a broker fee if you end up using a broker. Um, there's going to be payment term fees. There's going to be, and, and what I would encourage you to do at the end of the day is make sure you really understand the distributor contract and understand all of the fees that are going to be deducted and when they're going to be deducted, how they're going to be deducted. And if you don't know the answers as like, if you're reading through the contract and you don't understand it, don't sign the contract <laughs> until you understand it. Uh, but also at the end of the day, right. You, you've got your own brick and mortar. You're selling locally in Mississippi. Um, you know, is, is now the time to take on distribution or have you truly like exhausted, you know, the ability to get out there locally and sell to more more retailers on the ground and um and what's going to be like you know with distribution obviously comes some help on the logistics side of things but i would say 99% of the time there's little help on the sales side right like that's still going to be on you to get out there and sell yeah do all of that and they're going to deliver it for you. And if they do help with sales, great, that's a bonus, but not really something you should expect, right? Um, yeah, I think there's still room for me to get out here and do it myself at first. Um, and and I've kind of calculated to what it would cost. So in my, I have a car that I deliver everything in and I can fit 18 cases of pound cakes in there. And so basically if I was using a distributor, it would cost me $198 for them to deliver. And so this is another point that I was thinking about was, well, should I just get my own delivery van? Because if we're taking off $200 per delivery to each store by using a distributor, would it be better for me to just go buy a van and hire someone? So, and I haven't figured out those numbers yet, but it's something I'm thinking about, um, which then there comes the risk of liability and insurance, you know, having employees. So there's sure. those costs as well. But I'm, I'm trying to just, decide there's pros and cons to using a distributor you know yeah absolutely um, and and i think uh the, the one thing that i would i guess caution you on is once you start using a distributor there as you had sort of referenced before they're going to want to make sure you are like ready to go right and their their ultimate goal is to like move product out of their warehouse that's what Right. They want to bring it in and move it out as quickly as possible. Right. Which means you have to be on the ground selling, but it also means like, you know, if they place an order for a thousand cakes, 
you're going to have to produce a thousand cakes, right? And you can't be like, eh, I can only make 500, right? So, you know, you, you need to be like ready from, from all angles, right? And, and at the beginning, right? I mean, I would also consider like, I don't know, have you finalized your packaging exactly the way you want it, right? Are you, uh, is there an opportunity that you might rebrand? Is there an opportunity that you might get an organic certification? Is there an opportunity that you're going to like add a nutrition label onto something that doesn't have one, right? All of these things are things that are very easy. I'll say relatively easy to do when you don't have distribution, right? Um, there's a cost and a time component that come with them, but from a like getting it done, like it's pretty easy to do it when you're nimble and you can just do it yourself and make the change and blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. And so I would encourage you as you're still growing um, and getting out there to local accounts and supporting them, make sure you like finish all of those things first before you get in. Because once you make that change to your case pack or change your organic certification, you're going to have to like pay fees to the distributor to buy everything back and then give them new product and, and all of that. And if right now you can manage the, you know, sales of, you know, your, your current accounts. And if it only, if it costs you $200 for delivery and, you know, think about that, that cost, right. On a per unit basis, is that, you know, 27% per unit? I don't know. Like I haven't done the math, but, um, you know, think about that. That's certainly a cost that you need to, you know, when we go back, when we to go back to that idea of like, Hey, you've got your base cost of unit, uh, cost of goods sold. And then, yeah. you know, you've got your delivery costs in this case. Are you, are you including that in your delivered cost to the, to the retailer? And should you, or do you have your base cost and then you eat that $198, right? Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to figure out too on my pricing structure. Do I want to go ahead now that I've calculated that number, let's go ahead and up our cost of goods sold by, you know, that X amount. That way we're getting, you know, um, accurate numbers as to what we're making. Um, or should I just leave it, you know, how it, how I've got it right now without it included. And it's just, a, it's a lot to think about. It, it is a lot to think about for sure. Um, the other thing yeah. I'll encourage you to do too, is I, I know you've been with us for three months inside retail ready. Uh, there is a distributor and broker module that we have inside the course platform as well. So I, uh, if you haven't taken a look at that yet, I'd encourage you to go back and just maybe reread that or. Uh, skip ahead if if you want to learn a little bit more about um, sort of distribution and some of the fees and things like that. Uh, so I will yeah, I'll give it a look. do some homework there. Um, but what else? Uh, what else do you need to kind of be confident about making making this decision? You know, do you 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 had mentioned that you were gonna that you have a distributor that you're thinking about? Where where do you stand right now after our conversation? Not to, not to put you on the spot, but um, as of right now, I'm thinking it's a no on the okay. distributor part. I think that I need to focus more so on 
actually getting out there and finding the accounts first, because like you said, the distributor is not going to be a seller. That's still my responsibility. Yeah, and so, um, so thankfully, thanks to Retail Ready, we're in 15 grocery stores now. <laughs> it's amazing. So, and wait, how many were you in before you started? One. Oh, wow. wow <laughs> I've gained awesome. 14 new accounts. So that's yeah, amazing. Three months. a lot in the course, but there's still, I still have room to grow and use more, get more usage out of my facility. Sure. Um, we still got, you know, tons of grocery stores that we can um, approach. So I think maybe that should be my uh, short-term goal for now is to focus on getting those accounts myself. And then maybe on down the road, we can look into distributing. I just get really excited sometimes. I want to like jump into the lake when oh, I'm still. Oh, trust me. I, we all, we all have the shiny object. <laughs> yeah, it happens a hey, lot. This, this new, this new thing means like, you know, exponential growth for me and, and all of that. And I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, one, I, I would say it's awesome. Congratulations that distributors are reaching out to you now saying like, hey, like we want to bring on your product. That's that's amazing. And at the same time, it's perfectly acceptable to say, guys, I really appreciate, you know, your interest. I'm just not ready right now. Right. Yeah. And they will they will respect you for that. They might bring on somebody else in the meantime. But when you when you come back to them, you know, build a relationship with them, keep them updated on what you're doing, tell them about how awesome your sales are, and you know, show them that you're a brand that they should kind of keep on their radar. And there, there's nothing wrong with continuing to build a relationship with them after you say no, right? Yeah. And I think you're in 15 stores now. Like <clears throat> I would say most distributors are, you know, getting to the 30 to 40 store threshold is one where they're like, okay, now this makes sense for me because we want you to sell, you know, six to eight cases per SKU per week. And so yeah, is enough to like make that happen for us and make the the pull through make sense. So I think you know for you right now, continue that growth, continue nurturing the the relationships that you have. Keep track of the distributors that that they work with, right? So that you know in the future, hey, we've got forty accounts and they all use this distributor, right? Yeah. Um, and 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 it's okay to say no. It's okay to um, say, "Listen, I I'm grateful for the opportunity, but I need to stay focused on you know building building my local accounts, and uh, I will be happy to keep you posted on our success." Also, you know, give yourself a little more data too, right? You know, 15 stores is great, uh, but what if you could tell? <clears throat> your next distributor that, Hey, we're in 30 stores and this is how much we're selling per SKU per week. Right. And so, you know, keep track of your data, make sure you're, you know, how much you're selling in every store uh, so that you can use that as leverage when other stores ask you how you're doing. And when distributors ask you. Yeah. I'm hoping we can use that to our advantage and keep the 25% retail margin. <laughs> I mean, I would keep it all day as much as, yeah, as long as, as long as you can, for sure. 
Um, but you know, end goal for us is Whole Foods, and yeah. I don't know what they are going to want, but that's end goals. So well, and I, and I think you know, you also if you if you have a you know a large dollar margin, and you have the ability to, you have the flexibility of playing around with different promotions, right? Try it and see best see what works best and see you know maybe you find out that like at fifteen dollars on the shelf you guys are selling like four x more than than at seventeen just because of that like psychological barrier of like fourteen yeah. seventeen right so you know while you're still nimble in terms of like your ability to work directly with with retailers you know, do some A-B tests, play around with promotions. Um, if you've got this flexibility on the dollar margin, see, you know, try something at, I don't know, $12.99, $14.99, like see what happens if you sell it at $19.99 and, you know. Play around while we're still small. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then when you approach, you know, Whole Foods or Publix or some of the bigger guys, right? You'll be able to confidently say, hey, we did this test and we know that we sell X amount more at X price because we tried it at this. We tried it at this. We sell the same amount at $12.99 as we do at $14.99. So we're just going to keep it at $14, right? Uh, yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So use use that to your advantage right now while while you still can, right? For sure. Uh, awesome. All right, Kirk. I really enjoyed talking with you. Uh, do you want to let people know where they can find you, where they can find your your tasty treats? All of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so if you are interested in trying our stuff out, we do ship nationwide. It's a powerofthealmond.com. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, it's at Power of the Almond. And if you're just so happen to be in Mississippi or Alabama, um, we're in our 15 stores here. So um, we uh, are in a bunch of the organic um, upper high end uh, grocery stores that carry products that are similar to the quality of ours. So, yeah. Amazing. Kirk. Thank you so much for being with us today. Everybody, thank you for tuning into this episode with Kirk from Power of the Almond. Uh, this is the type of one-on-one -on -one coaching that we do uh, exclusively inside Retail Ready for students day in and day out. Um, so I can't wait to hear what you thought of this episode. If this is the sort of coaching that you guys are looking for, uh, listeners, I hope you will join us inside Retail Ready. And in the meantime, I will be back in your ears next month for another episode of Is It Worth It, Charlie? See you guys then. Thanks for listening to Food Biz Whiz. If you're enjoying this podcast and the tools it gives you for growing your packaged product business, please subscribe so you never miss an episode. From one small business owner to another, I am deeply grateful for your support of this podcast, and I appreciate it when you share it with your fellow food founders, share it on social media, or leave me a review on your listening platform. Ready for more? Find out how we can work together at foodbizwiz.com. I'll see you right back here next week.